0: Okay, well, uh, it's great to be here and uh, get some good fellowship and all. Uh, If you're interested in attending the John Birch Society meeting tomorrow night, we deal with, uh, you know, issues that are going on, just educating people on what's going on and try to contact our congressmen, things of that sort, Uh, but deals with a lot of the New World Order stuff and the movement towards global government. But if you want to come tomorrow night, it's at 6.30, and it'll just be come through that back door... Right there, we'll we'll have that door open, and and we'll probably uh, meet up here, and uh, uh, but that will be good. I'm going to try to get uh, an email out tonight to all the members, if if I remember, and uh, and uh, uh, but even if you're not a member, if you want to come and find out what it's about, that'd be a good thing. Main main reason why I want us to get work with them is just to um, keep everybody up to date on what's going on in this crazy. Country and crazy world in which we live, um, because you know I can't I can't deal with all the news in the uh, in each sermon. That's I mean I've got to preach the word of God and apply it to what's going on. But to keep everybody up to date, uh, the John Birch Society can help us out with that. Now, if you open up your Bibles, we'll be looking at Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Uh, Chapter 6, and we've been dealing with the full armor of God, which is from verses 10 to 18. And um, uh, we left off at uh, verse 16. So if you can open up up there Ephesians 6, and we'll be picking it up at verse uh, 15. As you're turning there, let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name is... is, uh, Chris prayed, as John prayed, Uh, I just pray, Lord, that you would anoint me to proclaim your truth, that you give me clarity of thought, Uh, you give me the words to say, and uh, you give me the air that I need to breathe, Um, but the people that are here today, Lord, uh, there's nothing fancy about our church, the people that are here today are here to hear your word proclaimed, your truth proclaimed, not the faulty wisdom of man. They want the, the faulty, faulty wisdom of man, they could just turn on the television set or get on the internet, and there's plenty of it there. And so I pray, Lord, you would cancel the man. Uh, you know that I've led people astray before I was a believer, and, and um, none of us are perfect, Lord, so I just pray you would cancel the man And uh, have your perfect word proclaimed from this pulpit so that I would not lead anyone astray. Give each and every one of us the courage to test what they hear from this pulpit just as they should test everything they hear or see throughout the week that they would test all things with your word that they would recognize that I'm not the final authority no man is the final authority your word is the final authority you are God and you have spoken to us in your word. And so I pray, Lord, you give us the courage to test all things with your word. I pray you'd open hearts and minds, including my own, to receive truth from your word. And then by your Holy Spirit and for your glory, empower us uh, to apply these truths to our lives so that we could be all that you called us to be. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. So the Apostle Paul is telling us that God has not called us to a picnic. He's called us to a war. Okay? And in a war, you need to go into battle with the proper armor. And Paul, as he's writing uh, this letter to the Ephesians, he's in prison. So he's been guarded guarded by a Roman soldier. He's seen many Roman soldiers. And he looked at uh, their... Uh, armor, and from that, it gave him the idea to write this. Now, God is guiding him. He's inspiring him, guiding him to record his word without error. But God will often use our circumstances, just regular circumstances. Sometimes I just see something going on, some regular thing, and I start crying. And people think I'm a weirdo. But, uh, you know, when you look at God's creation, whether it's a little baby crying or a little baby making faces at you or whatever it might be, um, or a father hugging his child, sometimes we get a little glimpse of the eternal. And so Jesus could be walking with the the apostles and uh, on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, and all of a sudden he looks around and there's a, a vine and branches. So, so Jesus preaches on that. And when Paul's looking at a Roman soldier... Probably a lot more than he wants to, and he says, "You know what? that's what we need, just as Roman soldiers, when they go into battle, they need armor. We Christians need armor to wear when we go into spiritual battle and so Paul started he said he said, you know our enemies, the battles we fight, we think our enemies are those bad evil people who are all evil." to one degree or another, but some of us are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus alone, and some of us aren't. And the non-believers like to put down the believers, at least the non-believers in power. There are non-believers that are out there that are still open to the gospel and very kind to us, and we need to reach out to them. But, you know, we live in this world where they're putting us down, and so it's so easy for us to think, oh, that politician over there, he's my enemy. And, um, and that professor at that university, there's another one of my enemies. It might be your boss. You might not be as fortunate as me um, to work here at Trinity Bible Fellowship, or church, but also to work in a Christian school where my bosses love Jesus. Um, so maybe it's your boss and you think, well, that's the enemy. Paul's saying no. No. Your enemy is not flesh and blood. Your enemy uh, is the, your enemies are the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, the demons who work through them, okay? And so we've got to pray. When you've got a human being who's giving you a hard time and hates Jesus, we've got to pray that God softens their hardened hearts, okay? Uh, we've got to pity them and love them and pray for them. But the real enemies are the demons that have deceived them and that are empowering and encouraging them uh, to mistreat us. And by the way, the mistreating of Christians in America, all that's been is a little bit of uh, rolling of the eyes and a little bit of ridicule. Okay? So we need thicker skin, brothers and sisters. Because this is coming down to more than that. It's going to be like we just went through the book of Hebrews. I know, John, you preached through the book of Hebrews. And um, in our Wednesday night men's study, we went through the book of Hebrews. And in there, what we found out was that these people, these Jews who had professed faith in Christ, were now thinking of leaving Christianity, going back to Judaism and the Old Testament sacrifices because they were losing their jobs and their properties, but they were not yet persecuted to the point of shedding of blood. And that's where we're at in America today. Many of us are in jeopardy of losing our jobs. In the very near future, we could be a church filled with unemployed people who can't pay their mortgages in a building where we can't pay our lease. And we're going to have to get back into the homes. But let the church be the church. God will get us through, okay but uh, the persecution of the church is not to the point of shedding of blood. It will get to that point someday. And that's why I like to stand up for what is true and what is right and what is good because um, you know I'm the, I could just say, well you know if we could just hang in there for another 10 or 20 years, by then I'll be so old I won't even know what hits me, you know. No, we got children. We got grandchildren. Okay? So we stand up for what is right and what is true. But Paul's letting us know, look, your enemy is not some guy in the White House. Okay? Your enemies are high-ranking demons taking orders from Satan and trying to bring us down. And if you're going to try to fight that fight with flesh and blood in your own strength, you're going down and you're going down hard. And so what you need, what I need, is the full armor of God. If you have the full armor of God on, you'll be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So we need the Lord's strength, not our own strength. We need the Lord's wisdom, not our own wisdom. So we have to put on the full armor of God to stand against the schemes, the plots of Satan. Okay. And so Paul tells us, Put on the full armor of God. Uh, is your waist girded with the belt of truth? Okay? I'm telling you, I hear a lot of Christians talking a lot of baloney lately. I hear a lot of Christians telling me stuff, and I'm like, where'd you get that, from CNN? Because I, I know you didn't get it from the Gospel of John. Okay? and But we got so many naive, professing Christians who don't get grounded in God's word so they'll believe whatever some famous bigwig says. Whether it's a politician or a medical expert or whatever. And and we're living in a day and age where all you have to do is disagree with the politically correct leaders and you get canceled. So now when we go searching on the internet to try to find the truth, a lot of times the truth's been canceled. Okay? Um, The belt of truth. Do you have the belt of truth on? Are you a person of truth? And like I said last week, 20 years ago, if you shared the gospel, if you talked about Jesus in public at Barnes & Noble, there's a good chance somebody's going to start screaming at you, some pagan radical and they start screaming at you and all this other stuff because you were talking about Jesus. Now you can get that same reaction just by talking truth, any kind of truth. Now all you got to say is, excuse me, sir, that's the ladies' room. The men's room is down there. You need to go over there, and you can get yourself in a world of trouble. So, I mean, in a world that hates God, it's eventually going to hate truth, and it's going to hate that which is good. Okay? And um, that's where we live right now. We live in a world uh, of insanity. It's either your culture embraces God and his moral laws, or you get insanity. And we live in a world of insanity right now. I mean, it actually gets... I'm a pastor. I've been saved by the Lord Jesus for 40 years now, and every once in a while I'm thinking like, is it me? Am I insane or... Does anybody else see what's going on? And then it brings, it gives me so much encouragement when I find not only believers here, but believers and former students and people from different parts of the world. I mean, when I first preached my message on uh, cultural Marxism, um, about, I don't know, about five years ago or so, uh, the first guy that responded on Sermon Audio was from New Zealand, okay? So there is a remnant. Okay, but it's actually the whole world has gone insane, and it makes us start to think we're insane until we get around other Christian brothers and sisters. We got to strengthen ourselves now. We got that belt of truth on. It's easy to have your belt of truth on, you know. When if yeah, John walks in and we start talking, and he says, "Hey Phil, where's your belt of truth?" Oh, let me. I forgot. It. I got to put it on. So it's easy when we can pick each other up. What's going to happen? when they're coming for us. And that day will come. And uh, when John's not going to be around. So we need, through fellowship, through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, we need to strengthen one another right now while we're together. Because the day may come, you're, you might have, be in solitary confinement in a re-indoctrination camp. Okay? I can't look to my brother John to remind me to put on my belt of truth. Okay? Be people of truth. You can't be people of God if you're not people of truth. Our God is the God of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So we've got to have on the belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Remember, Paul also calls it the breastplate of faith and love because righteousness is faith and love in action. It's not you trying to obey God's laws Through your own strength, you're always going to fall short. Our righteousness is filthy rags before the Lord. But it's your faith in Christ and your love for God and your love for others, that's what enables you. Your personal faith, love, relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what empowers you through the power of the Holy Spirit to say yes to God and to say no to sin and to live a life of righteousness. You know, you could be saying, man, I'm learning so much about the Bible, and then you're you're living a life of sinfulness. You're not wearing a breastplate of righteousness. So we got to be have that belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and then we got to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Mm-hmm. We talked about happy feet last week, where the watchman's up in a tower and he can tell from from thousands of yards away. He can tell whether his people are winning the battle or losing the battle by the way the, the, the messenger is running. The guy might have been running for 20 miles. He can look at his feet and say, Oh, how blessed are the feet of him who brings good news, announces peace. I'll be honest with you, man. Just, sometimes I walk into a room of non believers, and they're not saying, Man, that guy's got happy feet. Okay sometime I'm as grouchy as as not hellbound nonbelievers. we got to have happy feet we ought to I'm telling you if you got two prison guards taking you to a reindoctrination center and they've got you shackled hand and foot, you ought to walk in such a way that people could say, Man, the prisoner's got happy feet and the two corrections officers they're all grumbling and complaining about the overtime hours that they're working and all. But we ought to have the joy of the Lord. When we walk into a place, people ought to look at us and say, man, I want what he wants. I want what he has. Uh, Now, I'm not saying put on an act. Okay? I'm just saying we ought to be filled with the joy of the Lord and we ought to be sharing the good news of peace. Peace with God through faith in Jesus. And peace with our fellow man through the Lord Jesus Christ. Any other peace, any other peace outside of Jesus is just a false peace. And uh, so, uh, so we need uh, to have those happy feet, the shoes uh, with the preparation of the gospel. Peace. Are you prepared to share the gospel? You might have twenty seconds to share the gospel with somebody today or tomorrow. You might have two minutes. Okay. You might have 4 hours. Hopefully the guy will be a good listener. Um but um but you got to be prepared to share the gospel at a moment's notice with other people. You may never see them again. Okay? And um, just just and by the way, wake up in the morning in God's word, we're going to see that's the sword of the spirit. In prayer, we're going to see that's essential to the full armor of God. See, putting on the full armor of God, that means putting on the armor of light. That means putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says that in the book of Romans. If you're going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Start your day in God's word, worshiping God in prayer. Be filled with the Spirit so it becomes natural to walk in the supernatural. And then you just love on people. And guess what? The gospel's going to come out when the person is open to it. Some people, I just say, God bless you, and the Spirit of God says, just move on, Phil. This guy's not ready for it yet. Maybe he'll lose his job, his car will break down, his dog will die, then he might be ready. Not today. Not today. And, um, but, um, but we've got to be ready to share the gospel. Sometimes God will just tell me, It sounds like my voice in my head, but it's not a thought I would have where, you know, God will say, Hey, talk to this guy about my son. And I'm like, Oh, I got nothing in common with this guy. I don't want to talk with the guy. And usually, third or fourth in line, by the time I get there, I give in and talk to the guy. And lo and behold, the guy was right where he needed to be to hear the gospel. But we got to have happy feet, being willing to share the gospel of peace uh, with others. Now we pick it up at verse 16. Above all, above all, it's, it means what's coming next is pretty important. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, the fiery darts of Satan. You know, some of us don't even know if Satan's sending fiery darts at us, probably even right now. Okay, some uh, if you're a Raider fan out there, we've got at least two besides me, so that's good. We're growing in number. Um, but right now, some of the fiery darts that Satan could be throwing at you is like, "Oh, um, stop listening to this half Italian, half Portuguese short guy behind a pulpit." We got to really think about what are we going to do, the Raiders. We don't. Our coach just got fired for being a jerk. Oh, no, you know, so you could just, you know, it could be your mortgage payment. It could be your job right now. Am I even going to have a job in another month? Satan will send fiery darts at it because he doesn't want you to hear the word of God preached. Okay? He wants to distract you. I mean, if you're real sloppy, sure, Satan will lead you to do all kinds of immoral, sinful stuff. But a lot of us will, will, will draw the line in the sand. We'll say, no, by the grace of God and by his power, I say no to that stuff. And so sometimes the fiery darts that come, just I'm just going to distract this guy from hearing God's voice in his life, from reading God's word. How, how many, you don't have to give me a show of hands, but my hand's up. How many times you start off your day and you read your devotional passage and you get done and you realize you don't remember what you read at all? Because I don't know what, it, what I was thinking about, but it wasn't the word of God. Okay? And so sometimes I've got to go back and read it a second time. Satan wants to snatch, it's the, it's the parable of the sower. He wants to snatch that seed uh, away. Above all, take the shield of faith. We've got to have the shield of faith. We're going to talk about that. Which you will be able to, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. So it's like the fiery darts coming. You quench them. You're probably still going to get hit with a few of them, but you quench them. And then he moves on to the helmet of salvation after that. But the shield of faith, okay? Um, first thing we need to know, the, the Greek word for shield is uh, therios. Therios. They, they've got different shields, the Roman soldiers. They've got little ones and they've got big ones. This is the big one, Okay? This shield protects the entire soldier's body. You can get four Roman soldiers. In fact, you can get three. They can just stand side by side with their shields, and you can shoot hundreds of arrows at them. It's just going to be bouncing off their shields all day long until they get reinforcements. So this is the kind of shield that's overall protection. Okay, Without faith, you can't have that. Now, the problem is I can't move on from this passage until I explain to you what faith means. Okay? Uh, the, the Greek word pistis is the noun, pisteo, the verb. Okay? It means really to trust in or rely upon um, or depend upon. Okay? Um, it's not just faith that. It's more than I believe That. Jesus is Lord and Savior. I believe that Jesus is God incarnate. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. It's more than that. After believing that, you got to believe in Jesus. Okay? You realize there's going to, going to be, if you're a believer, there's going to be people who had way more faith Than you have. And they're going to burn in hell forever. There's going to be people, there are Pharisees that had way more faith than I'll ever have. And they're going to burn in hell forever. See, the power of faith is not in your faith. The power of faith is in the object of your faith. The power of faith or the lack thereof is in the object of your faith. You realize there's a lot of people who had a whole lot of faith in Jim Jones. They drank the Kool-Aid. What good did that faith do them? Got them eternal conscious torment separated from God. So We have televangelists right now that, to put it bluntly, they are false prophets, they are false teachers, and they are trying to teach you to put faith in your own faith. That's not biblical faith. Okay? Biblical faith means you place your faith in the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So having the shield of faith does not mean I have got so much faith that I, in my own power, can resist Satan's temptations. I have so much faith in my own righteousness that I don't, even, I don't even have to build safeguards in my life. I can go places where most believers won't go, and I won't fall into temptation because I'm that good. That's a lot of faith. But that's faith in your own faith. That's faith in your own righteousness and you're going to get smacked down. Okay? Seems to me there was a Jewish fisherman who told his rabbi, somebody else might betray you. Everybody else might fall away, but not me. I'm going to be with you till the end. Jesus turned to Peter He said, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that after you repent, you will feed my sheep. Okay? Learn from Peter's mistake. Learn, Learn from King David's mistake. The guy was a man after God's own heart. God never said, Phil Fernandez is a man after my own heart. God never said that about me. But God said that in his word about David. And yet David dropped his guard and was guilty of adultery and murder. He stole one of his most loyal guys, Uriah the Hittite, stole his wife and killed the guy to cover up the scandal. Okay? Learn from their mistakes, but don't put confidence, don't put your faith in your own righteousness. Uh, Don't put faith in your own faith. When you put faith in your own faith, you're no better than the Christian science cult, Uh, Unity School of Christianity, all these cults, religious science cults that put faith in their own faith. The power of positive confession, they call it. Well, you name it and claim it. Okay? I claim a Corvette in Jesus' name. Okay? Um, No. When we get to prayer, prayer is a big part of the full armor of God. We're going to see true biblical faith and true biblical uh, prayer, you pray in accordance with God's will, not your own. The secret of prayer is not dragging God off the throne to do your bidding. secret of prayer is us rising up and desiring for us what God already desires for us. So the power of faith is in the object of faith. Faith is also based on fact, not feeling. I know we have a president who said, uh, we believe in truth, not in the facts. That's, that's the postmodern view of truth, where each community comes up with a narrative, a story of what they want to be true. And then they interpret everything through the lenses of that fairy tale which they now want. If you don't believe in God, then there is no truth. You get to make up your own truth. And then if your narrative has enough power, through your Nietzschean will to power, you can force your story on everybody else. But what President Biden was saying when he was running for president, I'm not going to let any amount of facts disprove what I want to believe. Okay, and so you know now we have an administration that wants to force the vaccine. Whether you take the vaccine or not, that's your business. You do the study, you pray about it. But the idea that the government's going to force us to take it, government's not forcing people coming across our borders to take it. It's only American citizens the government wants to mess with. What, What is that? The only enemy that the government, our government, has right now is its own citizens. What's wrong with that picture? Classifies Bible-believing Christians as potential terrorists. The early church, they were persecuted for being haters of mankind. They were the most peaceful people on earth. They're probably even more peaceful than us because we're grumpy Americans. And um, um, So whatever the case, um, faith has to be based on the facts. Faith is based on truth. It's not based on feeling, okay? Well, you know, um, I feel like all religions lead to God. You know something? I don't care what you feel like, okay? Uh, so, and by the way, sometimes I'll wake up in the morning, I'll be so tired. You guys know I have sleep issues, okay? I had a brain overload a couple of weeks ago where they thought I had a stroke and rushed me to the hospital. Um, there's some days I wake up in the morning, where I don't feel like serving Jesus. There are some days when you wake up in the morning and you think, you know what? I don't feel like being married. I want to just be alone. I don't feel like being a parent. I don't feel like doing my job. Okay? Just grow up. It's not about feelings, it's about the facts. Okay? I might not feel like a Christian tomorrow, but I better trust in the Lord, allow the Holy Spirit to empower me, and I better act like a Christian tomorrow. Okay? We've got a culture. It's all about feelings, not fact. No, our faith has got to be based on fact. It doesn't matter how much you believe. Well, we had one of the false preachers. Uh, he commanded COVID-19 to go away when it first came out. It was all over the media, and, and he was naming it and claiming it. And that was because he had faith in his own faith. You've got to have your faith in the Lord Jesus. And this is a cursed creation. Sometimes the diseases go away, sometimes they don't. So I was praying, Lord, and you know, old Christians solid in the Bible were praying, Lord, if it be your will, take COVID away right now. But if not, give us the strength to get through this trial. Okay? And um, so uh, our faith has to be based on fact, not feeling. Faith is basically trusting God at his word, trusting God at his promises. Look at Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Hebrews 11, 1 Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so a lot of people will misinterpret that and say, oh, yeah, see, faith is blind faith. No. Uh, You read the whole passage. It goes through Abel, Enoch. It goes through Noah. It goes through Abraham. What what these guys were, they were the Old Testament saints. They didn't have, in fact, most of them didn't even die seeing the fulfillment of God's promise. Okay? But they trusted God. They said, if God said he's going to do it, then he's going to do it. Even if I don't see it, even if I don't see it in my lifetime, I am going to trust God. And guess what? God has given us an awful lot of evidence to trust him. Now, I don't know for sure, but this is the hunch I get when I study Genesis chapter 15. Abraham's having a hard time. He's like, look, man, I'm an old guy. My wife's an old lady. She's barren. And you keep promising me a child. I'm having a hard time believing you. And God said, you know what, Abraham? In fact, he called him Abram back then. Look at the stars. If you can count them, you'll be able to count your descendants. And when he looked at the stars... Said Abram believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. Okay? Now, I'm thinking when he's looking at the stars, all of a sudden it's dawning on him oh, wait a minute. The same God that created the entire universe and all those stars is promising he's going to give me and my barren wife a child. Amen. I think if he created the entire universe. He can give me a child, and from that child raise his chosen nation. Um, now, you say, it was that blind faith, was that faith against the facts? Sure, it looked like it was against the, the medical facts of that day and of our day today, but the evidence favors God. If God could create the universe, he can, he can perform supernatural works and fulfill his promises. So faith means trusting God at his promises. So the only merit or power in faith is the object of faith. So Paul is talking about biblical saving faith where we are trusting in the Lord. So our shield of faith when we go into battle is faith in the Lord Jesus, not faith in ourselves, not faith in our spiritual maturity. You know, Satan's gonna, Satan, when he throws his fiery darts, he's going to try to get you to do the bad thing. When you say, no, I'm not going to do the bad thing, I love Jesus, then what Satan will do is try to give you some false sense of confidence. Oh, I'm so good. I, I said no to several bad temptations yesterday. So I'm, really, I'm, I'm a pretty godly guy. I'm spiritually mature. I don't have to trust in the Lord anymore, okay? Lord, you just give me the football. You stay back. I don't need your help. I can do this on my own. So first Satan will try to get you to fall into miserable sin. Then when you say no through the power of God, Satan will try to convince you you said no in your own strength. If we're going to have the shield of faith, it's got to be faith in the Lord Jesus. It's got to be faith in God the Father. It's got to be faith in the Holy Spirit. Uh, look at Philippians 3.3. 3. Just a couple pages after Ephesians. Philippians 3.3. 3. For we are the circumcision. I like the translations that add the word true. It's not circumcision of the flesh, but the true circumcision of the heart. That Paul talks about in Romans 8, 28, uh, Romans uh, um, chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. For we are the true circumcision who worship God in the spirit, not the flesh, worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have what? Have no confidence in the flesh. You could substitute as a synonym for confidence the word faith. We have no faith in the flesh. We have no faith in ourselves to say no to sin. Our faith and our confidence is in the Lord. That's the shield of faith. Okay? If you go in your own strength, you're going to get torn up. Um, Remember the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts? They had heard that Paul had great success casting out demons in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preached. Okay? Okay? And so what did the demons say? I know who Paul is, and I know who Jesus is, but who are you? And the guys ran away bloody and naked. That's a failed exorcism, okay? That did not go the way they had planned, but they went in their own strength. They thought they could just talk about just use Jesus' name, but not really believe in him. If we're going to have the shield of faith, okay, that trust has to be, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at uh, Romans 10 and verse 17. Romans 10 and verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to build your faith, you need to get saturated with God's Word. You need to hear the Word of God preach. You need to read the Word. Why does it say hearing there? Because very few people could, you know, the scrolls are so expensive and writing utensils. Very few people could read their Bibles. I'm telling you, America's got big, ju- got judgment coming on us big time. Because any one of us, any one of us could go, go uh, to Barnes & Noble today and either a credit card or cash or check, whatever, and buy 20 Bibles. And um, back in that day, you had to go to the synagogue or the temple, get a scroll, stand in line, pull out a scroll, memorize a passage from Isaiah, put it back, and then go sit down under a fig tree for some shade and meditate on what you read. And so most of the time back then, they could only hear the Word of God preached. Now we can read the Word of God. We don't even have to buy Bibles anymore. You go on your smartphone, you can get every translation, every English translation you ever want. You can get some bad translations too, to be honest with you. So then faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You want to build your faith? Be a person of the Word. Get grounded in God's Word. Hearing and reading God's Word builds our faith, and faith is our overall protection. Without faith in Jesus, Satan will devour us. Okay? Without faith in Jesus, Satan will devour us. I'm telling you, if you put faith in your own faith, I have enough faith, I'm just going to say no to the sin. Well, if that faith, if you're not saved, if you're saying, look, Lord, Satan is throwing temptations at me, I don't even know all the, all the you know, you, you might think, well, I, I know Satan's tempting me to do this. I know Satan's tempting me to do that. What about the 20 things that Satan's, that he is tempting you with and you don't even know about? You need to trust in the Lord and, and say, look, I have faith in you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to trust in you to get me through this temptation and to get me through this trial, okay? This is why I'm not real big on the self-esteem movement. What do they did they, they took like uh, the six or seven leading industrial nations, and they tested them on how well they would the students, how well they would do on these this big, difficult mathematics test. okay? America finished number one in uh in self-esteem. Americans overwhelmingly thought, the American students overwhelmingly thought they were going to do best. The South Koreans finished dead last. They were convinced they were going to do the worst. Well, guess who came in first? The South Koreans. Guess who came in last? The Americans. Okay? If we're going to be of the true circumcision, we put no Confidence in ourselves, no confidence in the flesh. Our confidence, our faith has to be in the Lord. Okay? Um, So it's not faith in ourselves. It's not faith in man's wisdom. It's not faith in false teachers, but it's faith in the triune God. Okay? And um, and so without Jesus, without faith in Jesus, Satan will devour us. By the way, the more faith we have in Jesus, the better off we're going to be. Okay, and um, the flaming missiles, these are temptations from Satan. He's going to try to get us to deny God's word, or he's going to try to appeal to our pride and to sensual desires, just like he did with, with um, Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, but through faith, we can extinguish these fiery darts and remove their lethal power. The temptation will always be there. Okay, now hear me out on this. Temptations in themselves are not sin as long as you're not desiring them. Temptations in themselves are not sin as long as you're not desiring them. So Jesus was tempted in all ways like us, yet he never sinned. Okay, and you might say, okay, well, I was tempted to, to, you know, this guy was being a jerk to me and I was tempted to punch him in the nose but I didn't punch him in the nose, so I didn't sin. Well, wait a minute. How long were you thinking about it? Were you thinking, man, I'd really love to punch this guy in the nose? And, you know, Jesus said if you just look upon a woman and lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Now, that's not as bad as physically committing adultery. Just as it's not as bad as physically committing murder, if you dwell on it, but if you if you think about the temptation enough to where you desire it, but just say, no, this would not be a good thing to do, I'm not going to do it, you're still sinning at that, at that stage. Okay? But just the, the temptation itself, a thought pops into your head. An evil thought pops into your head. You rebuke it immediately. You go to God's word. You've got the shield of faith. You trust in the Lord. You say, no, you haven't sinned. Okay? But... If you think, yeah, I am not going to hit that guy, but man, that would be nice to hit him. <laughs> and if I was going to hit him, I'd this is what I'd do first, and then I'd throw him down, and you know, and then somebody's got to got to wake you up from your pleasant daydream of what you'd like to do to that evil boss or whatever. Um, hey, let, let me tell you to be. If all you care about is outward sinful behavior and that's all you're as long as I don't do anything outwardly, that makes me a godly man or a godly woman. No. Godly men and godly women, having on the faith, the shield of faith, they battle the flaming darts of the evil one on the inside. So until Jesus comes back, we're not going to be perfected. But a godly man or a godly woman right now is not someone who's perfect, but it's someone who is battling sin in the realm of the mind and the heart. Okay? Fight that battle there. If you don't fight that battle there, it's going to manifest itself in your attitude, and then it's eventually going to manifest itself in your actions. So fight those sinful thoughts in the realm of the mind. Jesus won every one of those battles, not just outward, not just attitude. Even in the realm of the mind, he won every one of those battles. We win some, we lose some, but uh, in the realm of the mind, you just try to have on the shield of faith and extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, fight that battle in the realm uh, of the mind. And uh, But the temptation is always going to be there, The temptations in themselves are not sin. It's what you do with the temptation. And so remember, it's faith in the Lord, not faith in yourself. Uh, Faith in God, by the way, is the opposite of pride in yourself. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace, it's a free gift, you didn't earn salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's faith in Jesus. Not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. Not as a result of works that no one should boast. We should not be prideful people who take pride in ourselves, okay? Who put confidence in the flesh. Yet Paul says in 2 Corinthians ten seventeen, we ought to boast more than anybody. But Paul said, "But he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord." Okay, that's that's having the being prepared to share the gospel of peace. If you're boasting about Jesus, if you're bragging about Jesus all the time. You know, that's why there's more people in bars probably on Saturday nights than there are people in churches in Kitsap County on Sunday mornings because people will brag more about their bars than Christians will about their church. Okay? And um, we've got to brag about the Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In verse 13, Paul tells us this no temptation. He's not saying there's some temptations that have overtaken us, it's that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Okay, okay. so. You know, I, if I had a dime for every time I counseled a young guy who acted like he's the only one in the world who's being tempted towards this sin or that sin. And it's like, no, that's, that's not true. We're all receiving temptation. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Then it says, but God is faithful. Boy, those are four important words. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Okay? Now, don't pull Scripture out of context. Don't be saying, look, God's never going to tempt me beyond what I am able. If If that's all you say from this passage it makes it look like, oh, I can have faith in my own faith. God's never going to tempt me beyond that which I can resist in my own strength. That's not what it's saying. The key there is, but God is faithful. Amen. And so who, who's going to provide us with the way of escape? Was that our own ability? Oh, I figured out a way to say no. No, it's God. He is faithful. He provides the way of escape that we may be able to bear it. Now, if you take that way of escape, if you say no to sin, then that means at that particular point in your life, you had the shield of faith. You trusted in the Lord. You put your faith uh, in the Lord. And so, that's, back in Ephesians 6, that is the shield of faith. Remember, it's faith in the Lord, not faith in yourself. Okay? And so it is so easy to build faith in ourselves, okay, it is so easy to build faith in ourselves um, if we've been walking with the Lord for years. Okay? I've always heard stories about with, with Noah. Well, it was a guy like he was like almost like nine hundred years old or something when he got drunk and got all naked, and we talk about that thousands of years later. Um, don't drop your guard. Don't think if you're sitting out there and you're thinking, you know what? I'm 88 years old. I couldn't sin if I wanted to. I don't have enough energy to believe me. You can still sin. Okay, um, so don't drop your guard. You might have 10, 20 years, not perfection, but of godly living. Um don 't drop your guard don 't drop your guard uh, because the evil one is still after you and i 'm telling you you could have you can have thirty, forty, fifty, sixty years of preaching Jesus and loving God and loving others. Um, all it takes is one bad night or one bad day, and you could destroy the the ministry that you 've had with others um, no, we gotta, we got to practice what we preach, and if we're going to do that, it's got to be through faith in the Lord, not in ourselves. Now, we're also told, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, the helmet of salvation. We'll, we'll turn to the sword of the Spirit and to prayer next week. But the helmet of salvation. Let me tell you something right now. If you are not saved, if you are not wearing the helmet of salvation, if you're not saved, please do not engage in spiritual warfare. Okay? You're not going to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God in your own power. Let me tell you, If you're unsaved, the number one problem you face in life is not that you might lose your job or your mortgage payment or that people don't like you or you don't have any friends. If you're unsaved, the number one problem you have is you're lost and you need Jesus. Okay? Now, if you are saved, your number one problem is not your mortgage payment or where your next meal's coming from. Or you don't have any friends or whatever it be. If you are saved, your number one problem is you live in a world with unsaved people. And you also live in a world with saved people who need to grow in the Lord. And God might call you to disciple them. Okay? So we gotta look at things from God's perspective. But I'm telling you, if you're if you're that latter person or that former person, if you're that person who's not saved, don't think about going, I'm, I'm going to go into spiritual battle and this and that. Look, you're toast if you don't have the helmet of salvation on. Now, even if you are saved and you have the helmet of salvation, you don't have the rest of the armor, you're still going to get knocked around, but you're still going to belong to the Lord. Okay? Um, but no, no Roman soldier is going to go into battle without his helmet. I mean, football players don't even get on the field without their helmets on. Um, and so, you know, salvation is a free gift. We're saved by God's grace alone, God's charity alone, through faith alone in Jesus alone. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, uh, we should realize that we're securely saved. Jesus says, I, I give the other sheep, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. We're sealed for the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.30. So we ought to not only be saved, but if we're trusting in Jesus for salvation, we ought to have confidence of salvation, assurance of salvation. Now let me say this. If you call yourself a believer, but you don't think like one, you don't have an attitude like a believer should have, and you don't act like a believer should act, you shouldn't have assurance of salvation. God, want, God will take the joy of the Lord away from you, you're not going to feel like a Christian. You're not going to feel saved. And God does that. It's built in. When we sin, we feel miserable, we feel guilty. God did that uh, to encourage us to turn back to him, to repent. Okay? And uh, so, uh, but the fact of the matter is, if we are trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, and living a consistent, faithful walk with the Lord, we ought to have the assurance of our salvation. Okay? You are not going to do real well in spiritual battle if you're not even sure that you're saved. Okay? And by the way, I've been saved for 41 years, or for 40 years. How do I feel confident that I'm saved? It's just faithfulness and perseverance. Are you faithful to the Lord day by day? And are you persevering through the decades? A few of you people out here know this, this Jesus freak named Jim, Jim Nardo. Okay? I bump into this guy about once every ten years. And when I do, uh, it's not that he's as much in love with Jesus as he was ten years ago. He loves Jesus even more. Amen. Okay? And when I look at that, that, it gives me so much confidence in the Lord because I see brothers and sisters persevering in the Lord. They're being faithful day by day and they're persevering. They're enduring in the faith throughout the decades. The news can change. Their careers could change. Their financial situation could change. Their health could change. But they're still preaching Jesus, just the same. Faithfulness and perseverance, and as we are faithful in the Lord day by day and persevere, and the Holy Spirit is working through us, and we're growing in the Lord, it gives us assurance of our salvation. If you don't, if you're not even sure you're saved, and somebody says, "Hey, brother, we need to go, uh, we need to go over this lady's house." Uh, there's all this demonic activity going on in the house and we need some strong brothers to go over there and pray and and isn't that? it's just like, look, you better be sure, okay, you better be sure that you're saved, that you belong to the Lord. Believe, believe me, demons will throw stuff in your face that nobody knows but you. I remember we had a dozen guys to go investigate a, a, a demonic activity case in, in Port Orchard. This was decades ago, we had about a dozen guys ready to go. And I was researching all this stuff, you know, the family situation, and I was also researching just, you know, cases of demon possession. And I told the I told the guys, I said, Before you go, we we're supposed to go that night. We we're supposed to this was our last meeting before we were going. We had fasted for a whole day and prayed a whole day all individually. And I said, now I found that in some cases demons will bring up Secret sins of the Christians who are trying to, through the power of God, cast the demons out. So if you got anything to hide, just stay back and pray for us. Don't go. Everything got, everything got quiet. And a few minutes later, um, I think three guys went with me. And the other guys stayed back. Um, so let, let me tell you if you got a log in your own eye, Don't be trying to take a splinter out of somebody else's. So if you're going to get involved in spiritual warfare, you better be strong in the Lord. Um, Mel Gibson, when he made the Passion movie, he knew he was getting into spiritual battle. Was he strong in the Lord? His life went downhill after that, big time. Jim Caviezel, the guy who played Jesus, he couldn't get a part for decades. But... It seems that his faith is stronger now than it was before. One guy was ready, the other wasn't. But you better make sure before you get into spiritual battle, you must. You got to acknowledge, I am securely saved. Um, don't go into battle, into spiritual battle, to fight for your... You, you do not go into spiritual battle to fight for your salvation. Okay? Jesus fought that battle. Jesus won that battle. If you trust in Jesus, now you go into into spiritual battle, not for salvation, but with salvation. So we don't go into battle to fight for our salvation. Instead, we go into battle with salvation as part of our protection. And this, by the way, will protect our minds. You know, you're putting on the helmet, protecting the head area. We're going to close right now at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In fact, I think I'm just going to read verses 31 to 39 just to close. What then shall we say to these things? Now, the Paul started out the chapter that there's no, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But then he describes those who are in Christ Jesus, those who walk Uh, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So we need to have faith in the Lord, walk in the the power of the Holy Spirit, not in the power of the flesh, and then there's no condemnation for us. We're saved. Romans 8, starting at verse 31. "What What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, you could say, well, man, the whole world's against me. I think the President of the United States is against me. Hey, who cares? That's not power. You want to know real power? You look to the the crucified risen lamb. You look to the lion of the tribe of Judah. If God is for us, who can be against us? We may have to tell political leaders someday and law enforcement and military people, hey, look, if God's for me, Who can be against me? He who did not spare his own son. God didn't spare the son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Believe me, they're trying to bring charges against Christians right now, just for being godly Christians. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God. That's the ultimate position of power in the universe is at the Father's right hand who make, also makes intercession for us. We got, we got the most powerful person in the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what is he doing right now? He's praying for us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are saved, there is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You put on the helmet, the Lord places the helmet of salvation on you, And then there is nothing to fear. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love in Jesus Christ. If you have not trusted in Jesus alone for salvation, what's your problem? Okay? There is a God. You're not Him. You need to get with His program. And you can only come to the Father through the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He died on the cross for your sin. He took your punishment for you. He rose from the dead to conquer death for you. And now you need to accept God's saving grace and receive the helmet of salvation. You need to accept God's saving grace through faith, through trusting in the Lord Jesus. So I'm telling you, if you don't know Jesus... Trust in him right now. Ask him to be your savior. If you do know Jesus, prepare, prepare for battle. How do you prepare for battle? You put on the full armor of God. And we've got more things to do. We haven't even talked about our offensive weapon yet the sword of the spirit. But if you think you've been in spiritual battle now, you just wait a few months. Okay? You just wait a few months. If you're a Christian, there's a target on your back right now. But We're going to enter into battle, but you can't enter into battle, spiritual battle, without the helmet of salvation. Okay? And um, and without the shield of faith. And we'll talk about our offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, next week. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, I, I just pray, Lord, that that you would give us the shield of faith and that's faith in you and faith in your son and faith in your spirit, not faith in ourselves. We put no faith in ourselves. We put no faith in the wisdom of man. We put our faith in the Lord Jesus and him alone for salvation. Give us the shield of faith so we can block the evil temptations from the evil one. But also, Lord, Give us the helmet of salvation. I pray that each and every one here would say this prayer after me. For those of us who already believe that we just recommit our lives to your Son, the Lord Jesus. But for those who've never trusted in Jesus for salvation, I, I pray that they would say this prayer after me. And for the first time in their lives, acknowledge the Lord Jesus as their only Savior. And so... I just pray that people would repeat these words after me. Father, I know that I am a sinner and that I cannot save myself. But I know that your Son, the Lord Jesus, died on the cross for my sins, took my punishment for me, and He rose from the dead to conquer death for me. I now trust in the Lord Jesus...